Well, today we move on to the next covenant that we're talking about because the, the Bible is full of these covenants that, uh, that God is making to people. And last week, Pastor Jessica did a wonderful job speaking about the very first covenant we ever see, which is God making the covenant to stop waging war on people, to, to say, here is my bow and I will protect you, and no longer will I use water to destroy. But instead, we see from that point forward, God to, to change his course and to try to fix what went wrong within his creation. And so now we come to this new covenant, and this, this new covenant that we are looking at is actually part of a, a larger covenant made with Abraham as we see God choose this one man and this one woman to, to be the, the, the launching point of his entire work. And it began with a, a simple promise that I'm going to help you have a child. And you will have this land and it will be yours and I will be your God and you will be my people and I will make you great. But then this, this covenant continues to grow because that, that first covenant was, was made in chapter 15. But then between chapter 15 and chapter 17 where we're reading, something happened. Abraham and Sarah, or at least in this text, it's Abram and Sarai, they, they thought they could do it. They thought they could help God out. And so they derailed a bit by having that episode of, here's my slave girl, Hagar. You have a child with her, and then that child will become our heir. And so we're, because Sarai could not have a child. And so then God begins chapter 17 here, refining, rebuilding the covenant that Abraham and Sarah kind of messed up a bit in chapter 16. And we call this the name covenant because this is where God provides them with their new names. And, and we also get a name from God. And, and this is where we begin to focus on the, the path that God is leading them towards. Now, names are something I've always been a big proponent that names are very important when you're talking about like naming your children. When, when we were having children, we were very, very uh, particular about the names that we chose because we wanted them to mean something. We didn't want to just call them some, some random name because it sounded nice or it looked nice when you wrote it out. We wanted it to mean something. Elizabeth means God fulfills his promises. And because she was our firstborn child, we wanted to celebrate that God fulfilled his promise to us that we would have children. Christopher means Christ follower. I want him to be one who will always follow Christ in everything he does. Names are so vastly important. Even if within our culture we have kind of drifted away from that. And so let us look today at Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to skip to verses 15 and 16. Today in uh, the reading, if you are able to stand, I ask that you please do for the reading of God's word today. It says in Genesis chapter 17, starting at verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Lord, I, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. 
And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. When Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make a nation of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. Jumping down to verses uh, 15 and 16. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask this day that you might send your Holy Spirit down to work within our hearts and our minds. Teach us, O God, from your word. Help us to understand the importance of this covenant as we look to the ultimate covenant that Christ made on the cross. May we appreciate this beginning covenant where you took a man and a woman, gave them new names, and moved them forward into a promise that would be for every generation. Speak to us, Father. Work in our hearts and our minds today. Let us hear your word through your spirit. It is in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Now, unfortunately, this section, what, we, we lose something here in this section because we jump from chapter, uh, sorry, from verse 7 all the way to verse 15, and we lose a section here. I don't know why they skip it. We, we've tried to talk about that a, a bit, and I, I address some of that in the commentary that always gets posted later on in the week. The most interesting section, this is verses 8 through 14, is where God gives him the sign of the covenant that he is making with him, which is circumcision. Kind of a big deal, right? In, in, in the Bible, circumcision is kind of something that's talked about here and there multiple, multiple times. And while we live past the cross, which means that we also live past the point in which circumcision bears anything for us in our salvation, it does have still a lesson to teach us, and it still has some importance that we need to realize, because we, we have our ancestry, we have our history in Abraham. And so we can't just jump over it, but unfortunately today is not the day that we will be addressing that. I don't know when that day will come, but we will someday. So just, just realize that throughout the week. Read the, that middle section and appreciate the fact that this was the sign of the covenant. And this is really, it sheds light. This section sheds light on the Romans passage that Pastor Jessica read as to why then Paul was working with the Jews who were struggling about the fact of what do we do with salvation? Now, I thought Abraham earned his salvation in God because of the, the, the circumcision. 
And that's where Paul then begins to break down and shows, no, no, in Christ, this is not how it is. It's, it's faith by salvation, or it's salvation by faith. It is not by the work of circumcision. But it still bears some importance within their, their ancestry. Now, within this, we have three name changes, this story, right? We, we have two that are obvious. We have one that isn't obvious unless you speak Hebrew or read Hebrew, I should say, because it's a dead language, so you don't speak it, um, biblical Hebrew. We have Abraham, we have Sarah, and then we have God. All three of them get a different name within this text. And so we're going to go through, and we're going to start with the least interesting one, going to the most interesting one, okay? Who wants to guess at which one is the least interesting name change in this section? Shout it out. Who, who do you think, God, Abraham, or Sarah? You think God's least interesting? Oh, no, you're wrong on that one. I'll tell you. Come on. Okay, so, so we know it's not God. Sarah or Abraham? Who thinks Abraham? Raise your hand. Come on. Uh, Sarah? You think Sarah's the least interesting? Okay. Abraham is the least interesting name change here, uh, and I'll explain why. It's still important. It's still very important, but in the perspective of what happened, not nearly as much. You see, Abram meant exalted father, which was kind of ironic since he had no children. But he was exalted father. And then God comes to him and says, no longer shall you just be an exalted father. No, my covenant with you is going to be one where you're going to have children of many nations. You are going to become the father of many children. You're going to become, and that's what Abraham means, is the father of many, the father of multiples. And so this is, this is talking about the fact that from Abraham so many will come. And this is a perspective that is looking not just at his own actual descendants, although he does have many, because he not only has the children of Israel, but he has Hagar's child, and he has yet another child later on. All of them become different nations throughout history. And we see that play out. But then also we know from the New Testament that Abraham becomes our father. And this, this made me think of the song, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. No, yeah, you never, you've never, I'm getting head shakes that people have never, yeah. And, and then you start doing your right hand and your left hand and then your right foot and your left foot and yeah, it's, it's a fun little camp song that they did for children. In Christ, Abraham kind of becomes a spiritual father to us because the covenant was first made through him. And so he became the father of many nations. But that's the least interesting name change. Now, that's an interesting name change. All of a sudden, he's not just this exalted father. He is now the father of many nations. This is huge. So that means everything else must just be even better. Sarai. This one I found so interesting because so little time is given to her, but yet the, the change that occurs is so important. Sarai meant nothing. It had no significance. The name was like Smith. In our, in our modern day, the last name Smith, it just kind of is a name that you hear. 
It had no special meaning. It had no special purpose. Sarah was originally just a woman. But when God said, you will no longer call her Sarai, you will call her Sarai, she became a queen or a princess. Depends on which way you want to go on the, the exact translation. She became the queen of many kings. Because as the text says in uh, verses 15 and 16, uh, specifically in 16, I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Suddenly in God, this covenant made between them and God, it meant that she was no longer no one, no, nothing, nobody. She was a queen. And she was going to be one who would give birth to royalty, which we know, again, yes, royalty as in there was, you know, King Saul, King David, all of them came from Sarah. But then we have Christ who also finds his lineage through Sarah, the ultimate king, the high king. And so here God has shaped someone who had nothing special about her life and gave her one of the most special positions ever to be the queen of all the kings and the high king who would come. But then we have God. And this is what I promise. This is the most interesting one right here. Because when we, when we read about this, you have to pay attention where the Bible begins to change the different forms. When, when you read Lord, it's one variation of how God's name is spelled. When you read God, it's another variation. Then when they begin to add different adjectives, like God Almighty, it's a completely different name. We miss that because our English language does a terrible job translating it. That's why we need to pay attention to this, and that's why I'm so grateful for books that help us understand this, because it would be so hard to miss it, or to, to, to catch it all the time. When this passage begins, it says, the Lord spoke to Abram. And what does it say at the very beginning? I am God Almighty. All suddenly, Abraham did not just know God as God, as this one who is speaking to him. But then he became God Almighty, which is, in the Hebrew is El Shaddai. El Shaddai is this unique variation of God, meaning the one whom nourishes, the one whom there is enough. And I go into a lot more uh, about this again in the commentary because this is where they begin to get different words that, that begin to shape their language. But it means the God who is enough, the God who nourishes. And so here we have God presenting himself saying, I am the one who is enough for you. Walk before me and be blameless. This is where we begin to see a picture of God. This is actually where I would dare say we see the first pointed out version of God where he's displaying a, a more feminine characteristic 
where God is saying, I'm the one who is going to care. I'm the one who's going to nourish like a mother nourishes their child. I'm the going to be that to you. And so this leads us then with these different name changes, this covenant where he's bringing them in. It, it comes down then to this one single point that still is true for us today because remember, God said this is an everlasting covenant. And so the point is, is that God will always be enough. You could insert a period right there and be done for the day. God will always be enough. That is a fact. God will always be God El Shaddai, the one who nourishes, the one who is enough for you. But we do have a qualifier here. If we walk before God and be blameless. Now, this is not a condition that God is saying, you must meet in order for me to be. This is not saying that the covenant will only happen if you do this. God is saying, this is my covenant. This is who I am. This is who I always will be. I will never change from this. However, you will only be able to experience it. You will only ever be able to, to see it, to, to have it in your life if you walk with me and be blameless. And that's what he's telling Abraham today is, walk with me and be blameless. Now, again, when we say this in English, we think of one thing, especially when we use words like blameless. It begins to make us think, so Abraham had to be perfect. He had to be faultless. He had to be without any issues whatsoever. And, and that's not quite what God is getting at. When he says, walk before me, he's saying, enter into a relationship with me. Come and be with me. Look towards me instead of looking around to everyone else. Remember, he's in a land that is filled with other gods, with other religions. And God is saying, look at me. Walk with me. Be in a relationship with me and let that be enough for you. By being blameless, it means there's, there's no other thing that you have your eyes set on. There's no other thing that you're trying to, to get off in, in the side. You're, you're saying only God all the time. Your heart's desire is always to be in relationship with God. It doesn't mean you don't stumble. It doesn't mean that you don't have times where you make mistakes. It doesn't mean you, you speak perfectly all the time. But it means that within your heart, every desire, every moment that you're awake, you're saying, I want to be with God. I want to be in relationship with him. And when we do that, we bring ourselves, we draw a close enough to God then that we can see this covenant play out where he is always enough within our lives. No longer do we have to question our value. No longer do we have to question our worth. No longer do we have to worry about tomorrow because we know that God will always be enough. And so that's what we are challenged even today to do because this covenant still stands. This is an everlasting covenant. Every person who enters into relationship with God will find the God who is enough. And that is our hope today. That is why we don't have to worry about everything else in this world. That is why we don't have to worry about gaining riches or possessions or building large houses. 
That's why we don't have to worry about always having the best job that ever is because that will never be enough. Only God will be enough. And we do that by every day saying, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to walk closer with you. I want to be there with you. I want you to be right here by my side, Lord. Lead me, guide me. And when he does that, he brings the change to our lives. And sometimes that even results in a name change where he says, no longer are you nobody, you are going to be queen. No longer will you just be an exalted father, you will be the father of many nations. But I caution you still, this is not a condition on us. We don't have to work for God to be enough. We, not, nothing we do makes God enough for us. Simply, he is enough. And only by us entering into this relationship do we get to see it with our own eyes, get to experience it within our lives. If we choose not to be in relationship with him, we will never understand, we will never see that. And that's what we have to help people understand today as well. And the way that that continues to play out is on the cross. When Christ gave his life, he became enough for everyone. And we celebrate that through the Lord's Supper, through the remembrance of what he did. And so let us then prepare our hearts this day. Because it is and always will be enough, the sacrifice made for our redemption. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us prepare our hearts to be God's sanctuary. Glory to you, God of Abraham and Sarah, for you uphold every hope of redemption, and upon you rest eternity. In every age you have called your people to receive your blessing by faith, trusting not their own righteousness, but the promise that rests forever on your grace. In Christ you came to bear the weight of our sin, carrying our offenses and take up the hope of our salvation. And through your power, the cross he bears across his shoulders has become for us the resurrection and the life. 
And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we join the unending hymn. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Renewing God, through the cross of Christ, you redeem our failures by welcoming us to the feast of the forgiven. As there is nothing we can give you in return for our life, send your Holy Spirit to meet us in the grace of this meal. And send your Spirit upon this bread and wine that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, who at the supper with his disciples took bread and gave you thanks, and broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took the cup, and again he gave you thanks and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you, and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has risen. Christ, Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Saving God, show your church the path of life. Give each one of your children courage and wisdom to take up their cross and follow you. Stretch every heart with compassion for the heavy burdens their neighbors carry. And transform all who are weighed down to become carriers of one another's burdens. Come alongside any who, should, who shoulder heavy cares alone and give them companions to walk in walking each step. Take upon yourself the suffering of all who bear impossible weights at the demand of another, are forced to labor, or are given no rest. Until all that is bowed low in sin or weighed down in struggle is lifted up and carried by your grace and transcended into your glory, ever reigning God, forever one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. 
the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing then also in the blood of Christ. And so let us receive communion this morning. As you are ready, you may come forward to receive it, and when your hearts are prepared, you may take of it either here at the altar rails, at the front pew, or back at your own seats. Whenever your heart is prepared, you may come forward. Eternal God, 
We give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May we not forget May we not forget the fact that God is enough, that God is the one who nourishes, that God is the one who is always there, will always be there. All we must do is respond to him. We just must respond. And we do that by walking before God and being blameless. Setting our hearts on Him always. Let us pray. Oh God, help us as we continue in our lives. May we not forget this covenant that you made between Abram and Sarai where you change their names to be one of many nations, the father of many nations, one in which we now can look back to Abraham and say, Father, thank you for your faithfulness, because it was through your faithfulness that righteousness was credited to you. And we share in the inheritance because Abraham chose to be faithful. And Lord, may we look to Sarah as she was made queen, as she gave birth through the generations to the high king, Jesus Christ, your son. May we always give you praise and glory and honor for that. But most of all, Lord, may we look to you, El Shaddai, the God who is enough. May we give you praise. May we learn every day what it means to walk before you and be blameless. God of Sarah and Abraham, long ago you embraced your people in covenant and promised them your blessing. Strengthen us in faith that with your disciples of every age, we may proclaim your deliverance in Jesus Christ to generations yet unborn. Amen. God now sends us in the name of Jesus Christ, his Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and make disciples of the nations. Let us go in the grace of God. God bless you all.